Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Hey guys, we're back for another week of Tis the Podcast, the podcast dedicated to keeping the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year. I'm Julia. I'm Anthony. And I'm Tom. Tom, I'm, I'm surprised you can remember that. your name. <laughs> it's because he has such a bad memory, as we said before on this show. But I just want to tell a story. Did that come up midweek this week somewhere? <laughs> Where did that come up? Well, in Slack... <laughs> Tom messaged me and Julia in our Slack channel about, hey, guys, you need to check out this movie, Anna and the Apocalypse. <laughs> and I was right. like, was I, wanted to t- I wanted to tell him, Tom, this came up on the show back in November. It's in an episode. I told so, about this not movie that- in this trailer. <laughs> I will yeah, we stopped and watched it, didn't we? We did. And Tom was like, oh, I'm sick of the zombie stuff. <laughs> oh, wow. That <laughs> oh, must have been crazy. Um, I will say, it's what I've always warned, when you have a toddler and they don't sleep, you have no memory. It's gone. And um, it's not necessarily that I don't remember things. It's, it's that I don't really listen when Anthony talks. <laughs> Tom, you're goes, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and how long are we into the recording when that came up for the first time? <laughs> My wife now says that, so... Oh no, does she really? Yeah, it's I, was, a thing. I was thinking that we should put that on a button. <laughs> Tom's the worst. Tom's the worst. <laughs> I can do that. Oh, that's funny. Well, seriously, um, did y'all have good weeks? I did. I talked to our new patron, our new $25 patron, Todd, this week. Yeah. We've got uh, what he wants to talk about. We need to get a good date with him. So, Woohoo. I'm awesome. He's, he's really yeah. excited to be on board. So, for those of you joining us, I hope you did your homework. I'm super excited about this week, which is why I'm hosting it, because I claimed it. Um, We're talking about 1995's While You Were Sleeping tonight. Um, Definitely going to come up at some point if this is a Christmas movie or not. Um, But I'm excited about just talking about the movie in general. So, Anthony, you want to give us a plot synopsis? Yes, I would love to. Three weeks in a row. That's a record for me. (laughs) Threw you a bone there. I know you like to read them. (laughs) I like to read the good ones. Somehow, I usually get stuck with the not-so-good ones. <laughs> Lonely transit worker Lucy Eleanor Moderatz pulls her longtime crush Peter from the path of an oncoming train. At the hospital, doctors report that he's in a coma, and a misplaced comment from Lucy causes Peter's family to assume that she is his fiance. When Lucy doesn't correct them, they take her into their home and confidence. Things get even more complicated when she finds herself falling for Peter's sheepish brother, Jack. Ooh, that was a good one. Thanks, Google. That one was really good. Well, let's just jump right in because I am super excited about our histories for this movie. Um, so, Anthony, you want to start off? What's your history with this movie? Sure. So, this is like one of my mother's favorite movies. So, I remember it growing up, seeing it a few times in the background because she was watching it on television or, you know, whatever. And... Yeah, I love this movie. This is one. This is one of my favorite Sandra Bullock movies, along with Miss Congeniality, by the way. But yeah, so I saw this some point growing up. Um, yeah, with my mother, because again, she was always watching it. Um, I I hadn't seen it in a while, honestly. Though before today, it put me in such a good mood watching it today. It was snowing outside, so I was working from home because the snow was really bad, and. After last week, which again, the holiday was okay, and the week before, which was Jack Frost, I was in the mood for a movie I really liked, and this hit that spot for me. So I was very happy that we're covering this this week. Nice. Tom, what's your history? Um, I probably saw this movie, at least in part, as a kid. It was probably on, I'm sure. My mom's a big Sandy B fan. I don't have the memories and affinity for it like I do uh, Miss Congeniality, which is an amazing movie. 
It's amazing. It is just awesome. Actually, Michael Caine. Actually, I actually sent Christine the gif the other day of, you want to kiss me? <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm gorgeous. <laughs> kiss me. Yeah, that. Uh, anyway, but Christine had me watch this because she loved it. We watched it a couple years ago. And of course, I love it. I mean, Sandra Bullock is just so endearing. Mm-hmm. I think if you don't like Sandra Bullock, there's probably something fundamentally in need of help. <laughs> switch where I was going with that and say it nicer. You, you might want to seek some help. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because so I watched it twice today. I watched it this this morning while I was working, and then tonight because Sarah had never seen it ever, so I watched it again wow. with her. And um, we were both saying that about Sandra Bullock. There's something very comforting about her movies. Like even her not very great movies, there's something nice about her and her movies. Mm-hmm. You can just sit down and watch it. Even if it's not the best movie, you can watch it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. How about you, Julia? I, this is probably the movie with which I have the coolest history ever. Mm. So my mom would just spontaneously check me out of school when I was in middle school and high school and we'd go off to see a movie. We'd totally play hooky and she'd take me to a movie and just her and I would go see it. And it was almost always a rom-com. And this is the first one she ever did it for. And she surprised me. So I didn't know why I was being checked out that day. And she just said, Hey, we're going to go see a movie. So we went and saw while you were sleeping, I was like 13 years old and oh my gosh, love this movie. So fast forward to when I am 21, I am in the labor and delivery room having my daughter. I've had the epidural, so life is good. And in between contractions, the labor and delivery nurses were turning around because while you were sleeping was on the TV in the labor and delivery room. And so in between contractions, they were all looking back at it and we were and I was looking over their heads like, oh, I love this movie. Oh, this part's so funny. Oh, I love this part. So I can definitively say I have no such interesting history with any other movie <laughs> as I do with this one. Um, That's awesome. I have, a, I have a deep love for this movie, and I figure the history probably has a lot to do with that. And Sandy B. Have you, um, have you and Hannah sat down and watched it together? No, and I realized that today I don't think she's ever seen it. I hadn't seen it in years when I watched it for the recording. Um, so we gotta, we're going to remedy that. And, I'm going to pull her off friends, her friends binge, and we're going to watch this this weekend. Awesome. I'm excited to add a new memory. You don't want to, you don't want to take her out of school, let her watch it with you on a day like that, like your mom did. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Wouldn't that be cool? Since that was the first time your mom did it with you, you'd be your first one with her. You watched it while she was in during the world. She would be ticked. Really? If she had to make up work in a class. Oh yeah. Oh, gotcha. She was at school. Um, she got the flu last year when everybody and their dog got the flu. And she got it. She was diagnosed on Sunday. She stayed home Monday and she was back at school on Tuesday. She was fever free. But I was always the same way as a kid. Like I hated missing because I hated making it up. I hate yeah. missing work now. Like when I'm, if I have to stay home for work, I'm always checking my emails yeah. or doing something because I don't want to go back and have to make everything up. Yeah, that's how she is. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly how she is. Very um, Hermione so Granger type quality. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. Um, so I'm interested because, again, we've had two weeks of rom-coms in a row. This was Tom's idea and his infinite wisdom. I want to know what you guys' top five or less, whatever you come up with, rom-coms are of all time because there are some good ones out there. And Sandy B is in multiple of them. Do you want us to start at number five and work our way up to one? Start at one and work down to five? I could not rank mine in order of favorites. It's just a bucket of five. Okay. Yeah, mine's not in any specific order either. Because yeah, I can't do that. Um, I'm going to rank mine from number five up to number one. Okay. Go Sandy for it. First. And I'm going to go with number five, Moonrise Kingdom. little unconventional rom-com you know the teenage the, the kid love yeah uh number four eternal sunshine on the spotless mind right number three the wedding singer oh, number two ten things i hate about you and also that's my all-time favorite heath ledger number one is the princess bride 
Oh, okay. I need to add like five more to my list. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> it's really, That's really difficult. <laughs> Anthony, what's your list of five? Pretty woman. Oh, that's a good one too. <laughs> You've got mail. When Harry met Sally. Crazy Stupid Love, which is a newer one. Love that one. And Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Wow, uh, we had no duplicates. What about you, Julia? Did you see the James Corden, Billy Crystal, When Harry Met Sally spoof? Yes, I did. That was awesome. <laughs> I, I love James Corden. Like, all the bits he does, I think he's so funny. He's great. <laughs> he, well, he, he'll, we'll cover him eventually because... Gavin Stacy Christmas special. He used to be on that show. So. Yep. All right. So my five, it's a painful list, especially after hearing y'all's. Um, Sleepless in Seattle, French Kiss, which is possibly fighting it for number one on my list. That's another one mom showed me. Um, While You Were Sleeping has to be on that list because it is one of my very favorites. Hope Floats. So Sandy B again. And then 500 Days of Summer. Oh, I love 500 Days of Summer. I do too. All right. Well, hey, listeners, um, I want to know what your favorite rom-coms are. I want to learn some new ones that I've never seen before um, that I can add to my list. So let us know on our social medias. We'll hit those up later in the episode. So stick around for that and um, share with us. But for now, let us share with you. So some of the statistics of the movie, um, it was directed by John Turtletob. He's known for Three Ninjas, which was... (laughs) A big favorite of mine when I was a middle schooler. I love that movie. Um, He also has done the National Treasure movies, Cool Runnings, Phenomenon, The Kid, which is the one with Bruce Willis, Uh, The Meg, most recently, the Gigantic Shark movie with Dwight in it, and um, Sorcerer's Apprentice, the one with Nick Cage. I love the National Treasure movies. Me too. I'm still waiting for that third one. They promise that's never happened. (laughs) Um, The writers, Daniel G. Sullivan and Frederick Liebau, um, not really any credits except this movie. Um, And I thought the writing was great in this movie. I was about to say, that's just it? They never got anything afterwards? Nothing that I had noticed at all. And it was only Frederick Liebau had two other credits, but I didn't even know what they were. So I didn't put them on the list. That's surprising. That's what I thought. Shocking. That's shocking. So, we mentioned Sandra Bullock as Lucy. Um, she's also known for Love Potion Number Nine, Demolition Man, The Net. The Net was a great movie. Did y'all see that? Mm-hmm. Thriller. I really like that one. Um, a Time to Kill, Speed, one of her more famous movies, Hope Floats, Miss Congeniality, 28 Days, Force of Nature, Two Weeks Notice, Blind Side, which she won the Oscar for, and Gravity, and most recently Bird Box, which I have still not seen, but I know Tom at least has, right? I have We two. both have, and we both think you need to see it. Okay, yep. I'll watch I'm it. Adapting it's going to give me kid anxiety. Huh? It's going to give me kid anxiety, isn't it? No. I learn new parenting styles that I'm applying <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Way to wordsmith that. Um, Wait, are we are we real quick? Or can we name our favorite movies for each of these people again? Oh yeah, okay. let's do it. I I had fun doing that last week. Okay, so what is your favorite Sandra Bullock movie, Tom? That Besides one's tough. Go. I'm gonna have to go. I really liked her in Twenty Eight Days and Bird Box, but that's such a different character than what I love, which is like Miss Congeniality. Mm-hmm. The first movie I ever saw her in that I remembered her in was Speed. So that's got some special love, but I think I'm going to go with Miss Congeniality and 28 Days for the two sides of Sandy B. Although Christine and I both acknowledge while we were watching this movie that we've never seen The Blind Side, so that's on our list to watch. <gasps> You've never that's seen The Blind Side? such a great movie. I know it is. Everybody says it's amazing. It looks amazing. It looks like that is shocking. her taking in this person who's not her kid and becoming a, a mother for it. Just It's right up our alley. It's outstanding. You need to it watch it. It looks amazing. And she is phenomenal in it. What's yours, Anthony? She's also a different Sandy B. Yeah, Anthony, what's yours? She has so many different things she can be, which is what's amazing about her. Miss Congeniality. That's mine. That was easy. That was easy, wasn't it? It was really... I love that movie. That movie is just so funny. 
It is. And speaking of different sides of actors, you know, Michael Caine in that movie is freaking hilarious. Mm-hmm. He is funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love him. Um, my favorite Sandy B is Hope Floats. Will always Ooh. be my favorite. And I think that's the Texas in me. That makes sense. And I love her non-standard leading men that are always successful. And I like to attribute that to her. Mm-hmm. Like Bill Pullman and Harry Connick Jr. was a great leading man in that movie. And Keanu Reeves. Um, okay, so <laughs> Jack, speaking of leading men, um, Jack is played by Bill Pullman, also has had a long history of movies. Um, I probably know him first and foremost from Spaceballs. Uh, I would imagine most of our listeners as well. He was also in A League of Their Own in a tiny little part, um, Sleepless in Seattle in a side part as well, Independence Day, Lake Placid, um, and most recently in The Center, and a whole bunch of other stuff too. I just picked the big ones. He was in Casper. Who's the father in Casper too? That was a big one in the 90s. So what's your favorite, Bill Pullman? Toss-up between Spaceballs. I love that movie. Mm -hmm. And, And Independence Day. I love his speech in Independence Day. And I know that's a cliche thing to do, but like, oh, that speech, it gives me goosebumps every time. It's it's funny because I listen to uh, NPR a lot and every 4th of July, besides tweeting out the uh, Declaration of Independence, the hosts read, take turns reading his speech of Independence (laughs) Day. It's just the greatest speech. I was like, I would follow that guy to hell and back. I am oh, just what's your favorite bill. Independence Day. Independence Day is your favorite. I thought you were going to go with Spaceballs. Nope, I love Independence oh, Day. Funny. I, I was, um, I, I'll say if I was going to give the edge to one, it would be Independence Day. I picked Spaceballs in there for the opposite side, the comedy side. Mm-hmm. Like what? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, Independence Day. That's why I think of when I think of him. That's funny for Sandra Bullock. I couldn't decide between the two. For Bill Pullman, you can't decide between the two. That's really funny. <laughs> funny Bill Pullman or let's inspire the world to defeat aliens, Bill Pullman. Wait, and speaking of President Bill Pullman, he had a very short-lived sitcom called 1600 Pen. He did. Where he I played do a, remember this before, that. This is before Josh Gad was big. Josh Gad played his son on that show. Like his college-age oh. son and uh, Bill Pullman was the president. It was a comedy. It was actually pretty funny. It only lasted like 15 episodes. So it was on like oh. NBC or something. Um, while you were sleeping, Bill Pullman is my favorite Bill Pullman. I had a massive crush on him after this movie. So one of our listeners said Bill Pullman in their mind, they like Bill Pullman. They just find his range isn't very large. And I would that as well. I, I, can, yeah. I can see that, like, because in a lot, most of the films he's in, it's like the same type of Bill Pullman, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I still love Bill Pullman. What, what's he Bill Pullman, and he's still doing stuff. I was afraid he might have died because I hadn't heard anything, but uh, he's got two new movies coming out. Yeah, that wasn't Bill Pullman that died. That was Bill Paxton. Paxton. That died, yeah. Which I could not think of Bill Paxton's name earlier today. I was like, (laughs) it wasn't Bill Pullman. Who was in Twister? Who was in Twister? Christine and I were (laughs) racking our brains, and then I pulled out, oh, Bill Paxton. He's the one who's not around. Yeah. (laughs) Do it in that whole thing, that same thing that they do. (laughs) It's the Dermot Mulroney, Dylan McDermott thing (laughs) right there again. Or the... Um, Nick Nolte, Gary Busey. I feel so bad for Nick Nolte, guys. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we've got Peter was played by Peter Gallagher. Um, You might know him from American Beauty, House on Haunted Hill, Mr. Deeds, Covert Affairs, A Bad Mom's Christmas, Um, the show The Connors, as well as the show Grace and Frankie that's on Amazon right now. Showtime? It's on Netflix. He plays Bonda's rich boyfriend. How about that? I don't have a favorite Peter Gallagher. I'm not a huge Peter Gallagher fan. The eyebrows freak me out a little bit. They look like two caterpillars chasing each other. So I'm going to opt out of that one. Do y'all have favorites? So for me, honestly, it was the OC. That's the dad. That's not on my list. He was on the OC. He was. That was big when I was in high school, middle school, high school, something. School. 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 I'm going to copy Julia. I'm not a big, I don't like his characters. Mm -hmm. He. Talk about somebody without a lot of range. In his movies, he is definitely typecast, and I just don't like the roles. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'll, I'll say we did, we, all three of us, whatever we thought of the movie, did like his character in A Bad Mom's Christmas. That was probably his best one, where he played the, uh, the dad. <laughs> who, who was always, uh, yeah, he wanted more fun than his wife, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. The patriarch of the family is played by Peter Boyle. Um, his name was Ox in the movie. He, you know him from a whole bunch of stuff also, but namely from Young Frankenstein, Taxi Driver, Malcolm X. He was in The Santa Claus as well as two and three. Um, he was in one of the best episodes of The X-Files that has ever aired. And most he notably, was. he was in Everybody Loves Raymond. Also the patriarch. I've got to give so, it to everybody, Raymond. Yeah. Tom, what about you? My favorite Peter Boyle was probably the King of Queens. Who is he on the King of Queens? <laughs> they had a crossover with Everybody Loves Raymond. <laughs> oh, did they really? Yeah. Just so, that was, <laughs> they did that a few times. <laughs> they did. They did, and it was what? bad every time. It did not make yeah. any sense whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, it was really, it was really bad. Um, I've got to go Everybody Loves Raymond. His character was just so iconic. It's just, it's the same thing with uh, Jerry Stiller. If you ask me what I'm going to go with every time, it's going to be Seinfeld. The X-Files episode's my favorite. It was Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose, if you're interested in looking that up. You can find it on Hulu, I think. Do you know how he got his part in Everybody Loves Raymond, by the way? Uh -uh. He was late to the audition because the complex was so big, he couldn't find the room. He got a ticket for parking. So they said by the time he came in the room, like, and he's a pretty big actor, right? Yeah. He came in huffing and puffing and like just angry with everyone in there. And he like, they'd say he like scared the room. And they said that's what won him, that won him over their eyes immediately. It's fitting, isn't it? Jack Warden plays Saul, which is kind of the older, wiser um, godfather. He has uh, 164 credits to his name, something like that. But some of my favorites and some of the most notable um 12 Angry Men. He was also in All the President's Men. And this is off in left field, The Replacements. <laughs> he was in The Replacements as well, which was the Keanu Reeves football movie that I cannot turn off if it's on. It's um, so funny because to me, Keanu Reeves is like the Kristen Stewart of the 90s. He really he is. <laughs> I know Kung Fu. Also in the movie as the elderly grandmother is Glennis Johns. Most notably, she is the mother from Mary Poppins. And I always loved that about having her in this one. Um, she's also in The Ref, which is a Christmas movie that we will cover coming up in the next year or so. Um, and then lastly, the mother in the family, Midge, is played by Nicole Mercurio. Um, she was in Flashdance, Mask, Gleaming the Cube. She was in an X-Files episode as well. And she was also in What Lies Beneath. And really, I just included her to round out the family because, and I'm going to launch right into it, Family is a big deal in this movie. That's why I like this it. This is an amazing family. It is an it amazing really is. family. I love this family. I except do. Peter. Yeah, except he doesn't fit in at all. He is like the bad apple. Guys, well, he changed the thing. He did. He became we're gonna get into that, but I don't think his change his change was definitely precipitated by Lucy. Like I don't think he would have had that change if Lucy hadn't been in the picture and Peter hadn't had that talk. Anyway. The family though is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm going to say, like, just right off the bat, I don't think this is a Christmas movie. I think it's a movie set at Christmas. It's actually set after Christmas, like kind of the week between Christmas and New Year's. But one of my favorite parts of this movie is their Christmas. When mm -hmm. Sandy B is sitting there watching them exchange gifts and talking over one another and taking family photos and going through the photo albums and have yourself a merry little Christmas is underscoring the whole scene. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of like every family Christmas growing up. Mm -hmm. It was perfect and it gave me all the Christmas feels. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like it was so relatable because it was so real. That's what it's like at Christmas with family. And mm -hmm. I loved that part of the movie. It had all the, mm -hmm. their house had all the feels and I loved okay, so I'm jumping in, we're talking about the, the Christmas feels. When they're at that scene and they're you're looking at the mantle with all of the stockings hanging. Yes. And they put up a stocking for Lucy. Yes. <laughs> that is like my family. Like my family would do something like that. You know, like, oh, there's somebody new. We got to make them a, a stocking. And that's something totally Christine and I would do. It just felt okay. like a real family. Can I tell you something funny about stockings real quick, just before we move on? Absolutely. So my, my parents have, you know, the four, you know, my parents, me, my sister, and then they had one for each of their dogs. Mm -hmm. So... Um, 
my sister got a dog and she always brings them home for Christmas that so they got the dog one. And um, so I was just, you know, joking around like, well, I've had my cats for however many years. Like they don't have any. So this year they put two up for the cats. And then we realized Sarah's been married into the family for seven years and she still didn't have the stocking on the mantle. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So, so then my mom tried to talk herself out of it, like, well, because you're married, you know, you guys share the same stuff. Oh no, you don't. There's no, there's no relationship. Yeah, I'm stocking okay. So <laughs> she ordered one for her this year. Finally. Oh my god. <laughs> my family is all about making stockings, and my dad had tried to make one for my mom. Something happened to hers, and he wanted to make her one. He misspelled her name on it. Instead of saying oh. Karen, it said Karn. <laughs> and I was just talking for years, and Christine's like, I, your mom deserves better. We got to do something. So Christine made her a stocking. <laughs> so going into recording this, I was not of the proclivity that this is a Christmas movie because I didn't remember a lot of the Christmas elements in it, honestly, prior to this watching. Aside from like the scene you just mentioned, um, I am going to argue that this is a Christmas movie for the sole reason that it is entirely about family. The entire movie, the biggest ball of theme is family because it's Lucy that doesn't have any family left, right? And that is what she grows attached to. It's not Jack as much as it is. She falls in love with the family first. She even says that, um, I fell in love with you guys and, you know, also that cutie over there as well. But I think that's what tips it over the edge for me. And it's a slow enough pace through Christmas Day when he falls on the train tracks and she saves his life to New Year's and then a few days afterwards that everything is still up. The family is celebrating late because everything happened on Christmas Day and they were in the hospital for a few days. So the family get together happens after Christmas. But it's just so wrapped up in the family feels that I am going to go out on a ledge and say that this is a Christmas movie and I'm adding it to my Christmas canon. So can I push back as devil's advocate a bit? Because I totally see sure. where you're coming from. If you take the one Christmas scene out of it and the decoration, mm-hmm. you could set this any other time of the year and the story would have... Okay, so we did pla- planes, trains, and automobiles, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of inviting him into his family there at the end, right? Right. Mm. Yeah. There were no Christmas decorations, though. I don't know. For me... And it was not explicitly set at Christmas. You know, that's true. It was Thanksgiving. I don't know, though. But still, if it was even set at Christmas, I don't know if it would be... This one's one of the harder ones for me, honestly. Because I, I did... it amplifies those feelings of loneliness. You could argue that. I did get the feels from this movie. Mm-hmm. Legit. And I wasn't expecting to. And when we started it, Christine's like, why are you watching this for a Christmas movie? And she watched it, and she's like, this is totally a Christmas movie. And I, I think so, too. I think Christmas was necessary. I don't know that there would have been all the nostalgia and connection to family that she had, the missing of her dad, the loneliness. I don't think that would have been there. Calling a Christmas tree up like she was alone, decorating it alone, undecorating it alone. All of those things seemed so much worse at Christmas time. Dipping her Um, Christmas cookie in her cat milk. (laughs) I did read that this movie initially was not set at Christmas time. But the producers decided to shift it to Christmas time. But that's not how our case, Julie. And, and, and that and that's where time. that's but, where well, because like I get what you're saying. The Christmas season amplifies her feelings of loneliness. But I feel like mm-hmm. this move could have still worked, and I still would have liked it as much, and it would have been as effective set in spring or wherever. It's definitely on the line, but I'm swinging mm-hmm. it. I'm swinging it to the Christmas side. I know we usually save that discussion for the end, but family is just such a big part of it. And I think that's why I like her character so much because she really seems as lonely as she is, but she's not bitter. She's not an angry, lonely person or a terribly sad, lonely person. She's such a good character and that makes me really happy. It makes the family stuff more rewarding because this girl, this character deserves it. She brought a lot to the table too, though. It wasn't just her deserving it. Yeah. Yeah, she totally did. Absolutely. Like the whole way she got in this situation, she so let's let's to let people who may not have seen this movie know. Lucy works in the Chicago Transit Authority on the rails. So she's <laughs> this guy she's in love with Peter and she fantasizes about him all the time. He ends up getting mugged or attempted mug, mugging. The thugs push him onto the the tracks 
he bumps his head and has a really gnarly looking bruise and cut that just magically is better at the hospital. I didn't understand that. <laughs> but she gets down and she, she eventually has to get on top of him and roll him off out of the way of the, the train. Then when she gets to the hospital, she says, I was going to marry him. And one of the nurses over here is going to assume that she's his fiance and tells everybody. So his family is coming. He's somewhat estranged from his family because he's a douche turd. <laughs> and um, the technical, is that the clinical like, term? It is. It is. I mean, you saw him in this movie, right? So she ends up, she tries to tell them immediately. I mean, you see this dilemma. She is trying so hard, but her voice is, she doesn't have a voice. Like Mm -hmm. they overpower her and welcome her and include her in this family. As a result, they end up thinking she's part of their family. She ends up giving them hope and she's guilted into fulfilling this role of being his fiance, even though she's never actually met him. And that's just so sweet. I mean, she's trying to help the family and she's torn. She's like, because somebody in the family has... Heart condition. Heart problems. She's afraid she's going to give them a heart attack if she tells them the truth. It's just sweet. Like, mm-hmm. She gets in this really awkward situation because she's so kind. I love her going to her boss for advice all the time. <laughs> and at one, at one point he tells her, pull the plug. That's your way out of this. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, that's sick. <laughs> was a good... That was a good line, though. Let's be honest. <laughs> Did y'all feel like Bill Pullman and Sandra Bullock had good chemistry in this movie? Absolutely. From the moment they met. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like Peter Gallagher and Sandra Bullock had any chemistry at all in this movie? Absolutely not. Did you love I that? Know, I felt like they did when he was trying to connect to her, when he like thought he had amnesia, just didn't yeah. remember her. But I think that, was necess- that chemistry from his side was necessary because we needed to see that growth from mm-hmm. him, right? Mm-hmm. The ch- the camera angle when he wakes up and he's just going face to face. Get that awkward smile. <laughs> that awkward smile. He passes her for a second, then just goes back to her. <laughs> I found that that's good camera work. That's good cinematography on their part. It was. It was hilarious. Can we talk about the family? Well, we were talking about the family real quick. I thought it was interesting how like but they were older parents, right? Like yeah, because they had the young daughter who was in like middle school or high school or something, and uh, mm-hmm. meanwhile. There, Peter Peter is old enough to have his own and successful enough to be this rich guy with a skyline apartment view. And yeah, yep. it was in, that was interesting. You don't see that, big... that in movies a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And Peter Boyle probably looked old when he was born. He just looks old, you know? He's one, <laughs> I mean, he's one of those actors. Well, I mean, yeah. at the time this is going, it's only in like, I think it was this year, the next year, everywhere that's really started, and he was playing the grandfather on that show. So. Oh, right. So, I mean, he was old. Yeah. Are we ready for favorite scenes? I'm ready for favorite scenes. I loved it when she is forced to prove whether or not she really knows Peter. <laughs> and the way she does it is by outing something she accidentally learned, that Peter only has one testicle because of a <laughs> he had playing basketball the month before the month before and so she says that and then the family's awkwardness and who's gonna look and find out if she's telling the truth or not <laughs> I, I his mother i'll do it i'm his mother i'll do it that's like that's the worst answer <laughs> right that's a service <laughs> too i uh i kind of like the scene that kind of precipitated that where she learns he only has one testicle because oh i loved how defensive his co-worker got he was like oh uh, he's he mentioned the accident and she's genuinely curious she's like what accident and he just gets so defensive what did he blame me it was an accident i had a pencil in my pocket i'm a lawyer i do that i cannot imagine any man taking that stance if he cost his friend his testicle <laughs> I just don't see defiance as an you appropriate think response. More sympathetic. I, I just well, don't imagine there being a def- any defiance, and however the friend perceives what happened. Oh, it was funny. That was hilarious, though. Uh, one of my favorite scenes is when they're in the church, and they're having that discussion while mass is going on. It's just the pacing is so quick. It's so funny, and I love how defensive. Speaking of defensive. Um, Peter Boyle's character gets when the guy behind him's like, will you please pipe down? He's like, Hey, be nice, Pally. We're in church. <laughs> You're disrupting the mass. Who made you the Pope? <laughs> that was my favorite line of that. Yeah. And then the random, you know, yeah. I liked it better when it was in Latin. Cause then you, when you didn't know what they were saying. When you didn't know what they were saying. <laughs> she has the most <laughs> off the wall conversations. 
which are other of my favorite scenes as well. See, her off the wall worked better for me than the ant in National Lampoon. If you remember. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Even the way yeah, they the make... tall actor's part too, when she kind of goes off the wall. No, yeah. So funny. It was. And the way that they, the way that they subtly demonstrate it, I like, like um, when Stahl warned Lucy not to drink the ant's yeah. eggnog. He's like, stick yeah. to soda. Then later on, we see them at the party. And she takes a drink of the eggnog and looks like she's going to lose it. <laughs> I, I love Saul as a character. We didn't really talk about him when we were talking about the family. But, you know, we've talked before about blended families. And he's, you know, they took Lucy in. They took him in. It's kind of a blended mm-hmm. family in its own right. But yeah. I loved how Saul was so protective of the family. Like, so when he first had his talk with Lucy, you know. I won't let anyone hurt them. Mm-hmm. But then when he finds out what Lucy's doing, he is immediately sympathetic towards her and keeps it a secret. And I love that, that kind of like mentor role he plays toward her. Mm-hmm. Although I love the fact that he's, so he knows what's going on with Lucy. He knows how she got in the situation because she overhears, he overhears her talking to Peter in the coma. And he's supposed to go warn the family. He's supposed to tell them what's going on. And instead, he ends up convincing Peter that he's engaged to this amazing woman. <laughs> and then she fires him. Fires him. <laughs> yeah, she fired him. Their relationship was just, talk about chemistry. I'm curious, Anthony, since you were your cradle Catholic, do you have godparents? I do. Are you close to them? I am very close to my godparents because one is actually my grandmother on my mom's side. And one is my grandfather on my dad's side. So. Oh, oh. wow. That's cool. Yeah. And they're both still alive, and I see them still quite often. So, oh, that's do your kids have godparents, Julia? No, but mm. one of my friends from high school wanted to be Hannah's godfather, so he could call himself the godfather. You didn't let him have that joy. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> he was Catholic. That that was like a big. That was an episode of Seinfeld. Jerry and Elaine become godparents, and uh, Jerry was so excited because he's like, "I'm the godfather." <laughs> Like, I feel like that's an, that's the kind of reaction I would have if I ever became a god. <laughs> I have 12 godchildren. Do you really? really? Yeah, I'm having, I'm getting number 13 in two weeks. Holy crap. Wow. I love my godchildren. It's a big responsibility. It is. It's pretty amazing. Do you know why Harry Potter doesn't have a godmother? J.K. Rowling said she, she toyed with the idea, but then she was like, I have to create a new character. And she's just figured they got married in a war, had the kid during a war. Sirius is her best friend. Let's just have a godfather. Ellie's godmother comes over every week or every other week for dinner. That's awesome. Close. Yeah. So one of my favorite scenes is when <coughs> Lucy, uh, Jack walks Lucy home and they have this, this conversation about leaning. <laughs> and he wants to make sure she's okay <laughs> because he was like um he leaned and by he he meant joe jr joe jr, <laughs> joe jr. And, and she's like what do you mean he leaned how did i lean when i leaned and they're having this conversation and he demonstrates like he puts his arm against the wall leans in toward her <laughs> And then Joe Jr. comes out. He's like, hey, Lucy, is this guy bothering you? And she's like, no. And he's like, are you sure? Because it looks like he's leaving. (laughs) And Jack just turns around. He's like, thank you. Oh, I love that. I like Jack's personality a lot. Like this this scene where he, he, uh, she warned him about how he should park his truck. Like he had the giant moving truck for all of the, the estates that they collect. And he got locked in between two cars. And he says he's going to walk her back to her apartment. And she's like, I'm okay. He's like, for me, I don't want to be alone. I mean, this is Chicago after all. <laughs> well, the Jack character, I like, I like the dynamic between him and Lucy before they started flirting and falling for one another when he knows something is up with her. So he keeps trying to catch her in a lie. Like, mm-hmm. oh, which one is Peter's car? And she just happens to hit the key and it's yeah. right in front of them. And yeah. you know, <laughs> she finds out the name of the cat by holding it up and reading the tag. I just like, how he kept trying to catch her she'd always like yeah. be just what half a step in front of him yeah especially like when he's like uh which which stu- which of the three stooges is peter's favorite she's like curly he's like everybody's favorite is curly <laughs> <laughs> i like the ice slipping scene it makes me laugh every time i see it 
um, when they're just trying to make it up the walkway and they keep slipping. Um, and I love when he rips his pants and oh. it just feels genuine. Like they're really laughing at slipping around on the ice, not like they're acting. And I love that he says um, something like, I'm going to need a new pair of pants. And she's like, if you fit my pants, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> Which just feels like something genuinely her character would have said. Right? Yeah. Like, I feel like she's like that in real life. <clears throat> the writing the writing here is just so consistent, mm-hmm. which is kind of my problem with when Hallmark or Lifetime try to do rom-coms. And I'm thinking specifically the, the, the Ghost of Christmas, that one we watched, you know. The Hot Ghost of Christmas was it out the literally what it was called? Yeah, Julia Colt renamed it the Hot Ghost of Christmas. Yeah. Hot Ghost of Christmas. Yeah, that one, you know, it was just so the 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 dialogue, none of it worked. The characters weren't consistent. They didn't they weren't well defined. And in here, her character is the same hurt, lonely person who just wants somebody throughout the entire episode or mm-hmm. the entire movie. That's right. ha- Hallmark has a film that's, I mean, it's not like this, but it reminds me of this. I forget what it's called, but this girl runs down the guy with her bike <laughs> and sends him to the hospital and she has to watch his dog. And when he wakes up, he has amnesia. So she has to try to help him find his memory and she falls for him and... It reminds me of this film. It's so bad. It's like the wedding planner. Oh, she didn't have amnesia. So the serious, the more serious scenes in this movie, mm-hmm. the few um, were really good too. I love the scene where Jack is talking to Peter in the coma and he tells this story about how when he was younger, he was always called to the principal's office and uh, mm-hmm. told, why can't you be more like your brother? And he said he was okay with that because he was proud of him. And I was never jealous of anything you had. And then he said, until now, meaning Lucy. Mm-hmm. And, then he pulled, <laughs> and then it's just a perfect transition from this, you know, serious, like kind of heartbreaking scene to him pulling out a deck of cards. He's like, highest card gets Lucy. This guy's <laughs> in a coma. He cuts a deck and he still <laughs> wins. And he's like, okay, <laughs> best out of three. <laughs> 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 also funny is when he's we- when so when Peter wakes up and he's wheeling him to the elevator to go up to the next floor and Peter's just spilling his guts and he mentions the whole squirrel thing he's like you know the squirrels he's like I knocked him out of the tree first and then I saved him and Jack just goes ew <laughs> that was a good connection because when she was at their house for Christmas they were looking through an old mm-hmm. scrapbook and you saw the article boy save squirrels which I thought yeah. why would they why would they have a story? But I'm like, okay, that was a good plant there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really like how, how Peter's forced to, to come to grips with who he is as a, as a person. When Sam mm-hmm. is like, I couldn't love you more if you were my own son. But the fact of the matter is, you're well a putz. <laughs> Peter just wakes up from this near-death experience in this coma, and his godfather's telling him how awful he is. <laughs> but he does end it sweetly, and he said, yes. from an old putz, you know. I love that. So we haven't mentioned yet that while he's in this coma, Lucy's pretending to be engaged to him. Another woman he proposed to, Ashley, <gasps> accepts his proposal over the answering machine. How unromantic is that? Uh-huh. Yeah. But um, eventually when he wakes up, she storms into the hospital room after finding out he's engaged to another woman. And they get into this argument and she's like, fine, I want my stuff back. And he's like, fine, then I want my stuff back. And she's like, what stuff? And he's like, your nose. And she's like, you can't take my nose back. And he was like, I paid for it. Then she motions at her boobs and she's like, well, then here, you paid for these too. And he's like, keep them. I'm a changed man, Ashley. But the whole time they're having this conversation, the guy in the hospital bed next to him is just watching the back and forth, his eyes getting wider. And he's steadily eating pudding. (laughs) He does not stop eating pudding during He's literally the guy with popcorn. (laughs) You would be too, though, wouldn't you? Absolutely. I would, would, definitely. (laughs) What's the purpose of a semi-private room if you can't completely (laughs) creep on the person next to you? (laughs) Like that weird guy who was peeking around the curtain when Rachel was in labor? Oh my gosh. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so I like the scene between Ox and Jack. So Jack works for his father's um, estate company, mm-hmm. right? Estate business. Mm-hmm. They sell dead people stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
he kind of wants out of it. And this whole movie is building himself up to talk to his father about that, you know, thinking he's going to be angry. So he comes in one morning with donuts, which Ox is really happy about because his wife has him on uh, fat-free muffins or something. (laughs) And he's just honest about him. He wants to make chairs, right? That was it. Furniture in general because he has some dining tables too. Right. So he wants to make furniture, not, you know, sell deceased people's furniture, not sell estate not have estate sales. And I just love this father-son moment because Ox isn't mad at all. He, I mean, but in his typical Frank Boyle type way, uh, Peter Boyle type way, the grumpy commercial, he's like, you know, well, you are stupid because you're selling rocking chairs. You want to make rocking chairs. But he accepts it. And then he has another joke about how, I just wish you told me sooner. I could have sold this company for, for twice its value to your uncle. To your uncle Eddie. <laughs> I liked that, that he was supportive. He was just a good dad, you know, with yep. a little spicy because <laughs> he's so kind of cranky. So I, like I, got a couple, I got a couple things I want to bring up, and they are all about Joe Jr. Because <laughs> <laughs> they haven't given him his, his due. <laughs> like when... when uh, <laughs> he is so funny. <laughs> like when Jack comes to Lucy's apartment and he asks him, you know, do you know this? Know her? Do you know the girl in whatever her apartment is? And he's like, know her? I'm dating her. <laughs> and then later, Joe and Lucy are talking and Joe's like, okay, Lucy, it's either him or me. She goes, him. him. Joe just pauses. You don't, have to, you don't have to answer right away. <laughs> I, I, I found the, the um, overbroad Italian uh, offensive. <laughs> That's how we picture you people. <laughs> I, I I am Anthony kidding. I found him hilarious. <laughs> how about when she puts him in the closet to talk to Saul, and then she opens the closet again, and he's on the floor trying on her shoe, and he's like, "I sl- I slipped." <laughs> and I love it when he brought her a flower. <laughs> he brought her flowers, and instead of being roses, it's the it's this giant circle. I thought it was from. I was expecting when I saw it, it to be something related to like he got it at a funeral. But he went yeah. to Florence and said he wanted the same floral arrangement they give the grand champions. In the winter's circle. Horses in the winter's circles. Yeah. yeah. That's I, the thing I, is he was likable. He was kind of endearing. He's one of those just endearing, ridiculous characters too. When he's, I also loved when, when he knocked the, and, she, and she said, I'm not here. I'm not, no one's home. And he's like, I know that trick. <laughs> like, <laughs> I also like it when he's coming down the stairs with another girl. <laughs> and uh, he's like, oh, Lucy's the prettiest girl in the building. The girl's like, hey. And he's like, you're the prettiest girl on the third floor. <laughs> and she smiles. <laughs> oh, Joe. <laughs> yeah, they, they felt like bad stereotypes. <laughs> but her landlord and, and Joe, Joe and Joe Jr. were really endearing characters. Mm-hmm. And it's just and nice. I, it's just nice to see true New York, Chicago. true New Yorkers depicted on on the big screen in Chicago. I take offense to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I do like that his father makes him pay rent as established, yeah, <laughs> like in the building. But when Jack comes, he's like, "Do you know? Um, do you live here? Live here? I own the place." <laughs> like, meanwhile, his dad won't even give him a. T- <laughs> <laughs> well, when he tries to move in with Lucy, he tells her he thinks his dad would knock $50, $50 off the rent. <laughs> when he say I move in, I think my dad would lock $50 off the rent. <laughs> I have one more. It's when they're getting, when Lucy's marrying Peter at the end. And the priest barely starts the ceremony. He's like, dearly beloved, we are gathered. And Lucy's like, I object. And you just see Saul's face in the audience. He's like, oh, geez. And the priest is like, I didn't get to that part yet. And Jack's like, I object too. And the priest just turns to me. He's like, what about you? And Peter's just like, I'm thinking. (laughs) He's so slow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. That church was beautiful. It was beautiful. Mm -hmm. I also liked the proposal scene, the real one at the end. Thought that was sweet with the the tinkle of the ring in the dish, and she just looks up and 
all of them are there. The whole family is there and they're all just grinning like idiots, especially Peter Boyle. If you rewind it and watch his face in that scene. Um, I love that. That's the way to end it. <laughs> let him do it. Um, yeah, just the bickering. Yeah, yelling. let him do it. He is doing it. <laughs> um, so does this movie pass the Linus test? Yes. I say yes for Peter. Even if it's not the strongest line and Lucy we've ever had. I think Lucy heals and she sees the importance of the family she's missing. And the, the big thing there is she is not, she's not living her life at all. Mm-hmm. Like they talk about how she's got this passport, but she's not getting any stamps and she's not traveling. This, this dream that she and her dad had of traveling and having adventures mm-hmm. never happened. And Jack helps her see that. And she said, he gave me the greatest gift he ever could, a stamp on my passport. Like, she embraces life. She sees that she was just coasting. She's sitting in this toll booth all day. And there's real growth. She sees the importance of family and of living her life. And I see a change in her that, that quantifies a, uh, or qualifies a Linus moment. Anthony? I gotta say there's a Linus moment if you think it's a Christmas movie. Because there is change. Mm-hmm. Well, I, mean, I don't think, think it's Linus. I, I think I don't we have think a Linus moment with even if you don't think a movie's a Christmas movie, a Christmas a non Christmas movie can have a Linus moment. Yeah, no, I'm not denying there's change and everything, but I'm still with my guns, it's not a Christmas movie. Not a Christmas movie. All right. I'm with that. So let's rank it and let's see where this falls on our list. Oh, I don't like this part. I'm gonna come in strong with a nine point six. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Just drop that. Drop that and walk away. I am going to come in just under Love Actually at an 8.2. I'm coming in 4.5. Just Ooh. because I don't like a Christmas movie. Yeah. That's, the, That's literally the only reason. Yeah. I get it. That's what happened last week, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. But that still gives us a 7.4333 repeating. Which puts it between Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, and Die Hard and the Santa Claus 2. So it's coming in at number 15 on our list. Wow. It's really interesting that this one is a contested, is it, is it, is it, or isn't it a Christmas movie? And it's coming in right with Die Hard. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Speaking, uh, speaking of whether or not something is a Christmas movie, did you guys see the news about The Nightmare Before Christmas this week? I did. The non-Christmas movie Nightmare Before Christmas news? I did. (laughs) So for those of you who don't know, uh, talks are Disney at Disney. Talks are underway for either a sequel to The Nightmare Before Christmas or a live action remake Mm -mm. to The Nightmare Before Christmas. They cannot do a live action remake. No, you cannot capture what Tim Burton created with this with people. So like with the redoing, you know, Aladdin and the Lion King and Dumbo, and those all look really cool with live action and it makes sense. Wait, you thought Aladdin looks cool? The idea of it, I mean, I didn't see a lot of it. I saw the carpet flying over the city and I will say the city that they created is breathtaking. It does. It looks like it is. So you didn't see the genie? I saw a picture. (laughs) I know he is in a... I know that Will Smith is in a trailer that I refuse to watch. But even that makes sense to do more so than these iconic images of creatures that Tim Burton created. Yes. And yeah, as far as the sequel goes... How would you ever goes, explain that either? So we, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back. If I had to have one, I'd prefer the live-action remake. Really? And, and I would get somebody like either Tim Burton himself to do it again which I don't think he would ever, but then get somebody like Guillermo del Toro and do it that way. Half of it live action, half of it puppetry and get somebody like Doug Jones who played Abe Sapien and Billy Butcherson and the creature labyrinth to do Jack. Cause I think he would be an amazing Jack. If you were going to, if you were going to do live action, I don't want a live action remake and I don't want a sequel because what, what the heck would a sequel be? Right. Um, that's my exact thing. I was going to say, if I have to pick one, I'm not picking one. <laughs> I don't want either. Neither of these have a place in Nightmare Before Christmas canon. They just should not exist. Now, I'll, I'll, of itself. I'll say this. 
rewind a year and we were like why do they keep remaking these christmas movies like the grinch is fine he though in the 20 minute special so i we i i'm not saying i think what all i think all three of us are right it shouldn't be done right this time around right but i will say there is always that chance to be surprised if a studio does it well well what i was going to throw out there because it just hit me we saw all those other trees in the nightmare before christmas of all those other holiday lands i'm not if they're doing something based on that world and it doesn't necessarily have to be halloween town jack skellington i'm open to see what they can do but i don't think they would talk about revisiting that world however many years later now 20 something years later if it's not going to be halloween town and christmas land again because that's what iconic about it i agree i wouldn't mind seeing something from christmas town i don't know i think it'd be kind of weird but it'd be kind of fun to watch like the elves try to take over halloween town but i don't see that as a full movie like a short little you know a short little like teaser yeah, at the beginning of a movie like a 30 minute funny to watch christmas special that would probably flop and i would be on this podcast talking about how awful it is despite the fact that i just thought it'd be funny <laughs> <laughs> so that's actually kind of a good segue to did you are you guys aware there is a prequel to the Grinch called Halloween is Grinch Night? No. I saw that when I was looking for the new Grinch. <laughs> I saw that that is I don't know what it is, but I saw the cover and I'm like, "Huh, I might watch that." Um well, it was suggested to us on Reddit by Outrush Outdoors that we should cover that as a bonus episode or something around Halloween. He said it's uh it's a little weird. Obviously not a Christmas movie, but it's worth a mention. Should you have Halloween plans in the works? It's a horrible spe- And then Tannerman101 said it's a horrible special, but a good one to cover. And GJA Davila agrees. So I think we should keep that in mind for Halloween this year. We get really good feedback on our social medias, like the stuff we're talking about right now. Um, so we have a few requests this week um, to rehash from the beginning. We want your favorite rom-com movies because we want new suggestions. We would also love your input on ugh, the Nightmare Before Christmas potential reboot that I'm not excited about. Sounds like none of us are. Um, and then any other random stuff you've got to throw at us, like the the prequel to The Grinch. Um, we love learning stuff like that. We definitely do not know all the things when it comes to Christmas, so we rely a lot on your knowledge on stuff like that. Um Plus, we just like to chat. So if you want to talk with us and you're a Twitter user, you can find us there at Tis the Pod. If you like Instagram or Facebook, you can find us at Tis the Podcast. Um, and if you're a Reddit user and you want to find us there, you can find us on our subreddit at r slash Tis Podcast. Come talk to us. We do like engaging and we also love your support on Patreon. We're throwing out a new Patreon surprise bonus this month. For all of our Patreons, for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to all of our digital content. For a little bit more, you get other surprises as they come, um, depending on, you know, like uh, you may get a random flag day card from Tis the Podcast or buttons. So, um, and then if you are like our friend Todd and want to be on an episode, you can donate and pick a movie for us to review and join us on the episode. All of that is at tis the podcast slash Patreon. So next week uh, in our regular feed, we will be covering 2014's Merry Friggin' Christmas starring Robin Williams and Joel McHale. Have either of you two seen this movie? Yes. No. Interesting. I haven't either, Julia. Um, I love Robin Williams though. And Joel McHale is usually pretty funny. So I'm curious to see what I think about it. Huh. And <laughs> and the week after that, we're doing something a little bit different. We're covering a Hanukkah movie because we have some Jewish listeners. So we thought it would be fun to delve into Hanukkah. And we're covering 2002's Adam Sandler animated film, Eight Crazy Nights. So that should be fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I am too. And I'm looking forward to... Something else in about 7,608 hours would <laughs> be Christmas. <laughs> still 7,608 hours away. I'll do you one better. It's only 317 days. 45 weeks, y'all. We are seven weeks better. into the new year. Like That's, I'm loving it, too. I mean, we're halfway through February already. That's crazy. Yeah, the months are flying by. So do your homework, guys. Yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Let me just Bye. warn you. Be prepared to be depressed. Oh. Don't watch the movie. 
when you're in a great mood. So for all you single listeners out there who are a little depressed, Valentine's Day is coming up. Maybe that you have your valentine. Oh, this is posting after Valentine's Day. But, but you should have watched the Valentine's Day, guys. <laughs> have a good Bye, week, guys. guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Have yourself a merry little Christmas Let your heart be light Next year all our troubles will be out of sight